welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. We studied last week from Egypt to Canaan. We mentioned that God brought us out from the world system, which is Egypt, and is taking us to Canaan, which is the promised land. We said that God's promises are ours to inherit. In other words, everything you see in the Bible is a possibility in your life. We said that the New Testament is a spiritual representation of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they were fighting physical enemies. In the New Testament, we don't fight physical enemies most times. We fight more of spiritual entities. And we said in Egypt, it was a land of bondage, a land of confinement. But Canaan, that where God is taking us to, is a land of freedom. Jesus Christ came to purchase our freedom, and because of his blood, we are free. We are free from all encumbrances. We are free from every limitation. That's the land of Canaan. In the land of Egypt, is a land of constant conflict. They were in turmoil, in conflict. But in the land of Canaan, is a land of peace. The Bible says God brought Solomon to a place that was peaceful. Solomon was on the throne. There was no war for him to fight. Some people are always fighting from one problem to the other problem. That will end in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. God will bring you to a land of peace in the mighty name of Jesus. Solomon never fought a battle. Everything around him was blissful. You see, people think it's a facade that you can live in this world and not have troubles. Yes, Jesus said you have troubles, but the troubles, your troubles will be minimized in the mighty name of Jesus. And your challenges will be a stepping stone to your breakthrough in the mighty name of Jesus. So Egypt is a place of hard labor. The Israelites in Egypt were making bricks. It wasn't funny. By the time Moses went to Pharaoh and said, look, let my people go, Pharaoh was hungry again. All the raw materials for the bricks, he took away. He said they had to go now fetch the raw materials to make the bricks. He doubled their task. And it was hard labor. They were under captivity. They were working in toil. Hard work is good, but it's not God's wish that you be grinding in the camp of the enemy. Favor is better than labor. And in Canaan, people enjoy favor. They enjoy divine favor. Favor talks about sweatless victories. And that will be your portion from now in the mighty name of Jesus. We said in Egypt, people have no options. Whatever is given them, that's what they take. People live on pitians in Egypt, but that will not be your testimony, not anymore. Word gives you options. In Canaan, you have options, and you are going to have options in life in the mighty name of Jesus. You will not just take what life gives to you, but you will create opportunities. Life will give you opportunities, and you will cast in on those opportunities in the mighty name of Jesus. We said in Egypt is a place of lack, but in Canaan is a place of abundance. We said in Egypt, people go down. We said Abraham kept on going down. He went down to Egypt. When he was coming up, he came up from Egypt. So Canaan is a place of upward movement. The Bible says the path of the just is that the shining light, it shines brighter and brighter onto the glorious day. In other words, you will not have a better yesterday. That's what will be your testimony. Your tomorrow will be better than today, and your day after tomorrow will be better than your tomorrow, in the mighty name of Jesus. In Egypt, people don't have a voice. Their voice don't matter. Their opinion do not count in Egypt. But in Canaan, people have a voice. God will give you a voice in your family. He will give you a voice in that workplace. You will matter in that workplace. Everywhere you get to, you will matter 
in the mighty name of Jesus. In Egypt, people are not respected because nobody respects a slave. Nobody respects anyone in captivity. Nobody respects anyone who has no results. But in Canaan, is a place of honor. It's a place of respect. We said in Egypt, people just hear of God's promises. When they were in Babylonian captivity, the Babylonians were asking them to sing the Lord's song. They couldn't sing because their voice was gone. They couldn't tell God's goodness in captivity. But it's my prayer God has brought us out of captivity, and you will not go back to captivity in the mighty name of Jesus. In Canaan, people handle God's promises. That's why it's called the land of promise. It's a land of milk and honey. In Egypt, people just hear, but in Canaan, they actually enter the promises of God. And remember I told you here last week that some people are actually living God's promises. Some people are actually living their Canaan here on earth. Whether you know it or not, is immaterial. And that's just the truth. But we also say that between Egypt and Canaan is the wilderness. He brought them out of Egypt to take them into Canaan. His will was to take them into Canaan. But somehow, many of them got stuck in the wilderness. Many of them perished. These are people of God. They perished in the wilderness. You will not perish in the wilderness in the mighty name of Jesus. They couldn't enter into God's promises because of certain things. And you know when you even look at this realm these days, somehow many of us, we just hear of his promises. We haven't entered into it. But it's my prayer God will do a quick work in your life. He will give you divine favor and you enter into God's promises in the mighty name of Jesus. So something stopped them from entering into God's promises. And we said the wilderness is a place of training. It's a place of testing. God planned that they go through the wilderness, not to consume them in the wilderness, but to prune them, to process them, and to bring out the best in them. I will read from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. You shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you will keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your food swell these 40 years. So he said he took them through the wilderness to prune them, to humble them, he allowed them some hunger for them to trust in him. He allowed them some famine so that they would totally rely on him. So he took them through the wilderness to train them, to teach them total reliance, to teach them how to walk by faith. He took them through the wilderness to prune them, to prove their character, to test them. You see, many times God will take you through situations to introduce you to you. Ah, you may say, oh, I do have anger problems, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But if somebody steps on your toes and refuses to say sorry to you, and is looking you in the eye and refuses to say sorry, that's when we actually know whether you have overcome your anger. So at times God will allow you in some situations to let you see you. So that by seeing you, you are just. He was trying to reveal them to them. But fortunately, many of them did not learn the lesson because it was a mixed multitude. Also, it took them through the wilderness to teach them obedience. Hebrews 5 and verse 8, that every Jesus suffered, he had to suffer certain things for him to learn obedience. So if Jesus went through wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights he was there, how much more you and I? And it took him through some things for him to learn obedience. So the wilderness is not meant to consume you, it's meant to make you better. 
is meant to make you shine as gold. If you want gold to shine the brightest, it's taken through a furnace. So God's intention is to prune, is to teach us obedience, is to teach us his fear, is to teach us his holiness. The Bible says, having therefore these promises dearly beloved, is that we should abstain, we should clean ourselves from filth, and we should perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. So God will take you through to make you holy. God is concerned about your final outcome. He's concerned about <laughs> you becoming a reflection of Christ. He's concerned about us becoming an image of Christ. But many of them died in the wilderness. They never manifested their glory. They never manifested their destiny because they didn't learn the ways of God. It's my prayer you will all learn the ways of God in the mighty name of Jesus. What was meant to be 11 days journey, it ended up becoming 40 years in the wilderness. And only two of them in a generation was able to enter. Only two of them in that generation was able to enter, Joshua and Caleb, because they didn't learn the lessons. Now the issue is this. You can shorten your wilderness experience or you can lengthen it. It is a must for every child of God to go through some things. For you to enter and undo God's promises, you have to go through certain things. Because it is in your going through that God is glorified. God is mindful of your hand. He wants you to end well. So that's why he will prune you for you to end well. But we have to get some certain things right. For your wilderness to be shortened or to be lengthened, it depends on you and God. It's not just a matter of God alone. It depends on you and God. And some factors can facilitate the shortness of the wilderness or lengthen it. It's my prayer your wilderness experience will be short. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will not spend 40 years on the same spots. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will spend 11 days and you enter into God's promises. In the mighty name of Jesus. So the first issue here is what I call the God factor. When you look at the Bible, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 to 18, the Bible says God purposely took them through a longer route. When they came out of Egypt, it didn't take them through the route of the Philistines. It took them through the route of the Red Sea because of a reason. It didn't want them to see war and then run back. So it took them through the longer route. It didn't take them through the shorter route of the Philistines. It took them through the route of the Red Sea. He still wanted to show them his wonders. And because he wanted to kill Pharaoh, he wanted to actually deal with Pharaoh, so he took them through the Red Sea route. The Bible says, and Job said, Job 23 verse 10, that God knows the way I take. He knows it. And when he has tested me, I shall comfort as God. Job said, God knows the way I take. And when he has tested me, I will comfort as God. Job 23 verse 10. The Bible says, that your times are in God's hands. That's why the Bible says don't compare with other people. We all have destiny paths that are different. If God has ordained you to be an Apostle Paul, you have to go through some certain things to be an Apostle Paul. You have to go through Rome. You have to go through some beatings, some shipwrecks. You have to go through some imprisonment to become the big Paul. So it's going to be foolhardy for a Nicodemus to be comparing notes with an Apostle Paul. Nicodemus has his own destiny path. Apostle Paul has his own destiny path. They are so different. It's so full added to be comparing yourself with other because we all have different paths. It took them through the longer route. It was deliberate. It took them through the route of the Red Sea for them to see his wonders in the sea. And you will see God's wonders in the mighty name of Jesus. You will see his wonders in the mighty name of Jesus. Our destiny paths are different. 
Our fingerprints are not the same. Even twins, they have different destiny paths. So the God factor is critical. Until God finishes his work, he will not let you go. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verse 80, Luke 1 80, that after God dealt with John the Baptist in the wilderness, he manifested him. He had to go through that wilderness because he's the forerunner of Jesus. He had to come six months before Jesus. So his parents had to wait on God for him to happen. So the child grew, became strong in spirit, was in the desert, wilderness, still the day of his manifestation. That period must be fulfilled. It doesn't matter how much he cried. Many times God doesn't give you what you pray for. He gives you what you are prepared for. If you are well prepared, you enter Canaan on time. He doesn't give you what you pray for all the time. Some people, they pray, but they're not ready. But in the place of prayer, Jacob was made ready. Jacob had to become Israel. Jacob the supplanter had to become a prince. He got to a point that God cornered him. And in the place of prayer, he was adjusted. His hip bone was dislocated in the place of prayer. So if prayer changes you, glory to God. Prayer can actually facilitate your preparation. But God doesn't always give you what you pray for. He gives you what you are prepared for. But prayer is the place of preparation. Jacob was made ready for destiny in the place of preparation. So the God factor is very, very important. God factor, we have different destiny paths. It's my prayer you will find your path, and as you walk on your path, God will facilitate your getting into Canaan in the mighty name of Jesus. Another thing that actually messed them up in the wilderness was that their attitude was thinking. These guys kept on complaining. If you go through Exodus 15, they complained. Exodus 16, they complained. They kept on complaining. After coming out of the Red Sea experience, they saw God part the Red Sea. They saw God consume their enemies. It was a miracle. It was a wonder. And they sang. Oh, this God that triumphed, triumphed over the horses of Pharaoh. They sang to God. But after singing, three days into the wilderness, there was no water. They got to a place. They saw water. The water was bitter. They began to complain. And their complaint got to a crescendo. When God sent them to go spy the land, he sent 12 leaders to go spy the land of Canaan, the land they were going to inherit, and 10 of them came back with bad reports. At that point, they were mad. That was a crescendo. And God said, look, I can't take this anymore. One of the three grievous sins they committed in wilderness was complaining and murmuring. They wanted to stone Moses. How can you say you want to die in captivity? How can you say you want to die in the land of bondage, in Egypt? This guy just kept on complaining, got to a point it was too much for God. But the Bible says Caleb had a different spirit. He had a different attitude. His own attitude was out of gratitude. God is actually good. The Bible says we should feast on his faithfulness. When you look back, God is actually good. This people God has done so much for them. He had delivered them from Egypt. He plagued Egypt for them. They saw him in the Red Sea. And yet they couldn't believe him for just water. Think about it. Think about what he did. Ten plagues over Egypt because of them. He brought them out again. He took them to the Red Sea. They walked bare ground, hard ground, inside the Red Sea. The Bible said the walls of the water stood as a wall. If you touch the water, it was like you're touching wall. And by the time they came over, God now told his angel to go behind them. And the angel began to dismantle the wheels of the chariots of Pharaoh. And they were stuck in water. And the Bible said God told Moses to lift his hands again, and the waters overcame their enemies. Is my prayer, waters of adversity will overcome all your enemies in the mighty name of Jesus. God will fight for you. 
Those Egyptians, you see, you will see them no more in the mighty name of Jesus. But please eradicate grumbling. The language in Canaan is not the same as the language in Egypt. In Canaan, let the weak say, I'm strong. In Canaan, we say, my God will supply all my needs. Because God gave them promises. He wanted them to focus on those promises. But they will not focus on the promises. They were busy working by sight. So what is the word of God for? I told you there is no need for the promises of God in heaven. If you learn his promises, if you memorize his promises, whatever you focus on becomes your focus. If you focus on those things, you will see God start working on your behalf much more than before. So you will not be like them. They grumbled. They committed sexual immorality. They did idolatry. Those are the three sins that disqualified them. That was why they couldn't enter. Another thing you have to pay attention to when you are in the wilderness, your vision, because what you see is what you become. He sent 12 of them to Canaan to go spy the land. Before God delivers the land, he will introduce you to the land. Before you actually become great, God will take you around the corridors of power, of greatness. Because he's trying to paint a picture. He was trying to paint a picture in their minds. He wanted them to see what they were going to inherit. The land was good, flowing with milk and honey. But also in the land were giants. So two of them saw the beauty of the land. Ten out of twelve saw the impossibility. They saw the giants. They said, we were like grasshopper before the people of Enoch. We were like grasshopper. These are people that God have redeemed. These are people that God called his own precious treasure. These are people that God said, I've engraving you on the palms of my hand, that you are mine. These are people that carry destiny. They said, we are like grasshopper. They were intimidated by people who were already dead. Don't allow yourself to be intimidated. It doesn't matter how big the systems of the world is. It's still subservient to God's own kingdom. Don't let anybody intimidate you. Live like a Christian. The Bible says we should be like sheep amongst wolves. But don't let your confidence be taken away. These guys, they just couldn't see what God was doing. What you focus on determines what you see. How you see is determined by what you focus on. When you focus on the word of God, you see well. These guys were so blindfolded. They saw the impossibility of the land and they couldn't enter. Let your dreams of tomorrow be greater than your memories of yesterday. Many people cannot dream anymore because they've suffered so many disappointments. It's part of wilderness experience, mind you. Disappointment is very much part of the wilderness. But don't die your disappointment. Shake off yourself. Believe again. Because God will just come through suddenly. When you are not expecting it to come through, he's faithful to his word. If a mere man will keep his word, his promises, how much more? How much more, God? So please, let your dreams of tomorrow be greater than your memories of yesterday. I keep telling myself my case is different. My case is different. I will end well. I will finish strong. What consumes other people will not consume me. In one month, things can change for you. In one day, things can change. And I see things changing for you this month. In the mighty name of Jesus. One day is too much for God to turn your life around. Joseph slept a prisoner. He woke up a prime minister. So vision is affected by observation. It's affected by information. Affected by association. As you observe, people who are visionaries, they actually observe. They notice things. They are meticulous. They are into details. And because they are into details, they always dream. Canaan is a possibility. And it's much better in Canaan than in Egypt. They are opposed apart. Canaan is a possibility. Solomon lived Canaan. You also live your own Canaan as well, in the mighty name of Jesus. Vision is affected by association. 
You cannot lie down with dogs and not expect to get up with fleas. If you lie down with dogs, you will catch fleas. It's a matter of time. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, those who walk with the wise shall become wise, and companion of fools shall be destroyed. Who are your friends? I will tell you your destiny. Who are the ones you hang out with? I will tell you precisely what your future will become. Mind your associations. Some people are not going anywhere. Why are you hanging out with people that are not going anywhere? Why are you hanging out with people that don't respect your God? Why are you hanging out with them? Because some people are not going anywhere. They will pull you down. You will keep on going from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from honor to honor, from greatness to greatness, and your case will be different from your contemporaries. In the mighty name of Jesus, the greatness you carry within, you will deliver it. The Canaan you are high, you will live it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.